You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. All right, let's bring in Dan Orlovsky, ESPN football analyst. You can see him on NFL Live Monday through Friday at 4 Eastern with Laura Rutledge, Mina Kimes, Marcus Spears, Ryan Clark, Adam Schefter. Uh, first question, it's not football related. What makes Steph Curry so great, Dan? I, I don't know. I've, I've talked about it a lot, how great he is. He's, he's good at everything. Thank you for playing along. Is there, is there a player that you've run out of ways to describe how great they are? Uh, Tom is up there. Yeah, I mean, you know, t- Tom is certainly up there because he's done it for so long at, at such a high, high level. Um, I thought Revis was there years ago. Um, Revis was a guy that got up there. But I would say Tom, you know, Aaron. Definitely Aaron is still there, you know, and it's, he's great because of the same stuff he's been great for for a decade. But you had Mahomes who felt like he was on the cusp of that, but now yeah. all of a sudden we kind of, you know, started uh, chopping away at his pedestal here. Where, where's Mahomes now in, uh, on the list of quarterbacks in the NFL this season? Yeah, I mean, if we're just talking about this season, you know, Patrick's probably guys that have played better than Patrick, um, Thomas played better. Um, Lamar's played better. Dak. Um, Dak has played better. Matthew Stafford's played better. Josh Allen's played better. So, I mean, Patrick's probably somewhere around the six or seven range as far as just performance this year. I would still, if I had the, you know, the, the two, three, four, five pick in next year's NFL draft and Patrick was a guy that I could pick, I'd trade all four of those picks for the number one spot to go get him. I think he's been a lot better the past two or three weeks, Dan, a lot better. Um, mechanically, he's been so much better. You could tell that's been an emphasis. Um, you know, I, I think that this past weekend, you know, was a great performance when it came to the end result production. You could see he was very purposeful. You know, I, I kind of said that this week. They, he threw the ball 50 times against the Raiders. 44 times he got the ball out in one hitch or less. That's intent to be completion-driven. Mm. He will not have that experience against the Cowboys, though. They, the Cowboys are not going to give him completions like that this week. So he's been better, um, and he's still the most talented guy at the position. We see golfers get in bad habits. How do quarterbacks yeah. get into bad habits, even the great ones? Yeah, you have success within those bad habits. You know, the kind of the way I phrased it was bad process, good results. You know, he was having good results. And this is for a stretch of period of time. And it's a fine line, Dan, because you don't want to take that away from him. That's his superpowers. He's able to play so well and be so accurate and make the, the correct throw at the correct time when everything isn't kind of perfect or right. But when you have a stretch of period, a period of time where you have a good result, but a bad process, that's how you get into bad habits. And, you know, bad habits aren't something that happened overnight. They happen over a long period of time. And, it, and th- that's why I say, like, there's that saying in the NFL, winning cures everything. That's a myth. Winning covers everything. And it's really difficult to go in as a coach and go, hey, Patrick, we really got to make sure that we're focused every single day on our fundamentals when he goes, hey, man, I just threw for 380 and four touchdowns. You know, like what, what you know, so you, you've got to be so obsessive and nitpicky in a way and focusing on the things that can catch. I remember, Dan, Aaron Rodgers went through this. You know, Aaron Rodgers went through stuff where, because these guys are so physically gifted, so physically gifted, and they can do so much without having to be Drew Brees 
or without having to be Tom or without having to be even a guy like right now, like Kirk Cousins, those guys have to be correct all the time, technically and mechanically. Aaron went through this years ago when he, he started, his play started to dip and it was like, what well, you know, the, some of the mechanics, when the talent starts to just drop a little bit, you've got to kind of counter that with, with those mechanics and, and uh, technical stuff. And, you know, it seems like Patrick, like I said, of the past couple of weeks is, is started to show some better stuff in regards to that. Better understanding of the chiefs right now or the Cowboys right now? Oh, the Cowboys. The Cowboys completely. I think the Cowboys, the, the, the Broncos game was that blip in the radar. I, I said this. I don't know if there's a team in the NFC, and I think there's a team in the AFC, maybe Buffalo. I don't think there's a team in the NFC offensively that one has absolutely physically dominated people the way the Cowboys offense has in multiple games this year. I don't think there's a team in the NFC that can line up and go, we will beat you on offense however you want us to. However you want us to, both they can and they will. They got the people to do it, and they've got the coaching to do it. You want us to throw 50 times, we'll throw it 50. You want us to run at 50, we'll run at 50. I don't think there's a team in the NFC that has done that. And then I don't think there's a defense in the NFC that has suffocated offenses more than the Dallas Cowboys defense has this year. And so I think that's we, – we got a really good understanding of who Dallas is. I know Kansas City has played better uh, um, in, in the past couple weeks. I just – doing my job, defensively they've been better over the past two weeks. They played Jordan Love, and they played the Raiders without Henry Ruggs. The Raiders are a wildly different offense without Henry Ruggs. Um, and I think offensively – like like I said, the Raiders scheme wise defense is we are going to give you these completions. I mean, they had 264 yards after the catch on offense, Kansas City the other night. So I have said it's nice to see, but I got to see it against Dallas. Former NFL quarterback, now ESPN football analyst Dan Orlovsky joining us. Uh, just a bad night for the Rams or is there a bigger picture here? No, I think there's a little bit of a bigger picture. Definitely a bad night. I think offensively they were exposed in one very specific area. That's the interior of their offensive line. You know, I've talked all season how they've gone to this empty mindset, empty package, five guys in protection, five guys out as pass catchers, and they've had a ton of success with it. But then they've played two really good defensive lines in Tennessee two weeks ago and then San Francisco. And the interior of their offensive line has gotten beat up. And I think Sean McVay needs to go back to a little bit of what got him here. Now, what I mean by that is put the quarterback under center and use more play action pass. A lot of times people, myself included, will say you got to do more of that because it's to help the quarterback. Hey, let's help our quarterback. It's it's stuff that quarterbacks see well. They don't have to know the coverage. They can just go through progressions one, two to three. You know, you can create chunks with it. I think they need to do it to protect what, what right now is their greatest weakness on offense. And that's the right guard, the center, and the left guard. Those three guys in the middle. And when you do that, one, defensive linemen don't know it's going to be a pass. You know, when you get into that empty set, defensive linemen don't have – you've made them – play one dimensional. It's a pass boys. You know, when we can go be pass rushers, when you put them under center and use some run play action, they don't know it's a pass. 
They can work in unison a lot more in the play action game. You're moving the launch point for the quarterback. Sometimes he's behind the center. Sometimes behind the guard. Sometimes behind the tackle. Which tackle is it going to be? Sometimes he's outside the pocket. So those guys, defensive line-wise, got to move. And so it helps the offensive line. So I really think this is a, a moment similar to Tampa last year. Hey, I remember pounding the tables like Tampa. You gotta, you gotta go more play action for Tom. You gotta keep him protected. You gotta use motion more. Well, they did after their buy, and it helped. I think it's similar to that. And then I just touch on the defense, Dan. Like the the they are philosophically what's going on in the NFL right now. A lot of teams are playing those two safeties, and the Rams kind of lead the charge in that. That's fine. I, I that's great. You got to know how teams are going to attack you, though. You got to know. You got to know that teams are going to be willing and able to run the football against you. And if you're going to do that, I think their corners and their safeties got to be way more aggressive when they're in run support. Because San Francisco just ran the ball, and the corners and safeties are hanging back. Like, what's up? You got to know that teams are going to do that. So I think those are two things they got to fix. Feels like uh, most of these quarterbacks get one week. I mentioned Jameis Winston week one. Oh, he's a dark horse for the MVP. Josh Allen had a week. Tom Brady's had one. Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson's had one. And now it's Mac Jones week. Did the analysts, what did they get wrong or did they get wrong with, with Mac Jones? Or did he just end up with the right place, the right team, the right coach? Oh, I think a lot of people had it wrong. You know, um, so... I, I call college football games, and I remember doing the Alabama-Arkansas game and sitting down with the people around Alabama and asking them about Mac Jones. And I'll never forget Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach of Texas, who was their OC, um, talking to me about how much better Mac was because he was the scout team quarterback playing against the Alabama defense. Yeah. And we were just having the conversation. I played scout team quarterback a lot as a backup. And we we're just having that conversation. And it made me think you have, you get so much better because you have to play so fast when you're playing scout team against the starters, you are forced to play so fast and you learn because there's no consequence to bad plays in practice when you're that guy, you learn so much about what you can and cannot do, how you use these things, your eyeballs, how you use your brain. And I think that was the thing that I fell in love with, with Mac in the draft process. And I was the person who was pounding the table. He should go three to San Francisco. And I had firmly believed that Kyle wanted Mac at three. I think, well, um, we're in an era where, you know, physically, we have fallen in love with the, the physical attributes of quarterbacks, as we should, as we should, Josh and Lamar and, and Patrick. Um, but at the end of the day, the quarterback position has always been, can you think and can you throw? And if you do those two things at an incredibly high level consistently, you are going to be really, really, really good. And I think we became so obsessed with, well, he's not fast, that a lot of people lost sight of he plays really fast. And I think that's the thing you're seeing is he just plays so fast. And he's but, got but this if I really redrafted, Dan, yeah, the first quarterback off the board. Trevor Lawrence. Okay. The second quarterback off the board. Yeah, I think we're having a conversation. I really do. I, I think that now I, I want to be fair, Zach Wilson. You know, we understand the situation that he's been in. I think we're having a conversation because everything that you need to be good at quarterback, Mac does. We haven't seen that out of Zach yet. 
Now, Mac has also been supported to show that. Zach has not. But I think we're having a conversation. Um, Zach can still do things that Mac Jones just can't. He just he, he physically has the ability to do things that Mac Jones just cannot. Um, who's it's home? a conversation, who's, Dan. Who's home? My wife. Oh, she just came in? Yeah. Does she love Mac Jones as well? No, she don't like Mac Jones. No, she's a Philly girl, man. She... Uh, she, she's going to ride with Jalen Hurts until the Eagles decide to move on from Jalen Hurts. Are you all in on Jalen Hurts? No, no, no. I'm not all in. Okay. I'm not all in. I, I still think that, and I'll, I'll still remain Adam, and I, I think Philadelphia made a mistake in regards to that, um, in regards to, you know, the cards. I, I will say this, you know, I, I've been really impressed with Jalen. I think if, you know, Jalen Hurts, can you become a consistent pocket passing quarterback? And I think – Week after week, he's starting to show that a little bit. He really has. I thought there was a play in the Denver game this past week that kind of is the imagery of, hey, yes, I can. And he's starting to do it more and more. The Browns are fading? I don't know if they've, they've ever been in the limelight this year, Dan. I don't know if they've ever, you know, had the light to fade. I, I think that... Oh man, the Browns expectations. Where where's the defense? You I can blame Baker. I can blame no running backs, offensive line. Uh, The defense seems to be getting away with something here. Yeah, their defense, mainly the back ends, is just poor. You know they they can't cover, and and I know they try. They try to play zone. They're not good in zone. I think when they're in zone, excuse me, when they're in zone, I think they're way too soft in their zone coverage. Like, you can play zone coverage and still be intentional, still be physical, allow teams to feel your presence. They just give you completions. When they play man, I still believe that they don't allow their guys to play hands-on and man coverage. Like, Denzel Ward is a man corner at his best, and they don't allow him to play physical. I think Greg Newsome is a man corner at his best. They don't have... You know, every football unit needs to have something when the when the SA crap hits the fan, <laughs> the doodle hits the fan. Like you gotta have something that you can turn to and say, We're doing this right now. They don't have that. And I think their coverage, because Dan, they got the best pass rush unit in the NFL statistically. Yeah. They're the best pass rush unit in the NFL. If you have the best pass rush unit in the NFL, you should be good in coverage. And um, that it's it's really let them down. I think their communication still struggles when they play man. Um, so def- I think defensively has been the absolute weakness, weakest part of their team. I'll touch. I'll, I'll say this about the offense, um, specifically of New England. I was really disappointed in Kevin Stefanski. Baker didn't play good. They go on that first drive, eleven plays. Dearness Johnson runs for fifty-four yards. He's got seven carries for fifty-four yards on that first drive. They ran the ball three more times in the first half. That's like we can. Bill was great. The plan defensively was great. When you get a coach to go away from what their greatest attribute is, you've already won the game. You've already won. And for them to, I don't care if I'm playing tailback. The strength of their offense are those five boys up front. I don't care who the tailback is. You got to run, be who you are at your absolute best against New England. Do you get out of household chores by acting like you're on Zoom calls all day? 
I actually love household chores. I'm a weirdo, man. Like I'm a weirdo. So um, one of the things I love to do is wash dishes. I don't use the dishwasher often um, because I like to dry dishes. I also like to make my kids dry the dishes because I think it teaches them like, hey, you got, I, I, it's not a chore, dude. This is something you, if you want to eat, you got to wa wash and, and dry your dishes. Wait, is your wife right there in the kitchen listening to this? You can vouch for me. She could vouch. She is. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Right. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the folding the laundry, but I will do it just to, you know, we got, we got six humans in our house, so I can't, I can't go, Hey, you know, fold the, I, the kids will try to fold laundry at times. So, okay. I got to drop off lunch boxes at school. <laughs> I got to watch tape. I got to prepare for Cincinnati SMU. I got to drop off lunch boxes at school. Is Cincinnati um, going to make the final four? I don't think so. Um, as much as my emotional heart wants them to, this is my second Cincinnati game. I'll say this is about Cincinnati. I think their defense gives them the ability to beat anyone in America. I think their defense is that good. Um, I don't think over the past month they've buried teams, yeah. and that's on them. Yeah. You know, I think you got to bury teams if you're going to be that team and want to get in. Um, I think Michigan's really good. I called Michigan Penn State last week. I think Michigan's really good. I think Michigan State is a really good football team. Um, Who I has a chance to beat Ohio State, Michigan or Michigan State? I think Michigan has a better chance to beat Ohio State. I really – I like their coverage in Michigan. Um, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, their two rush ends are phenomenal players. Um, I think they're – you know, their consistency to line up like Michigan will put six, seven offensive linemen on the field with a tight end or two and just, Hey, we are unapologetic right now. I think that's the difference between the Michigan teams, like the team this year that I've called two Michigan games and the teams of the past is they are playing in the style that Jim wants them to play. And I think that's different. Uh, I think Michigan's got a chance to beat Ohio state. I do. Uh, safe travels. Always great to talk to you and uh, good luck today with your chores. Thanks, man. Go Steph Curry. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Darren Ravel is on this topic as only he can be, senior executive producer of the Action Network. Mid-season name change to the naming rights to a, an arena? How does that happen? I guess Dan uh, Staples is not selling enough paper. Mm. I mean, I mean, they did a lifetime deal after they did a, a big deal in 99 when it opened. They did this lifetime deal. Um, and you know what? I think part of it, and this hasn't come out yet, they didn't, they probably want it out a little bit. Oh. And, and crypto, obviously, these exchanges are going nuts and they have a lot of money and they're trying to compete. And that's what happens. Um, it's interesting to me because it's being reported as a $700 million deal. It's like $35 million a year. This is the first time I've ever heard that a company has paid more money for something that was already named, right? Because there's this value of like, are you still going to call it the Staples Center? You've been calling it the Staples Center for 21 years. I guess crypto.com didn't think that uh, there was going to be people that were going to be calling it the Staples Center and think there's real value. Well, maybe you call it the crypt. Right, but then you're not calling it crypto.com.
but I, I don't understand the value of this, and, and that's why I want to have you on. You can help me understand this because I know when I did Sports Center, I purposely did not mention. <laughs> a stadium that had naming rights. I just said, let's go to Baltimore. Let's go right. to Chicago, wherever it might be. So how do you get your money's worth out of this? And where is that money going to? Is it just going to the Lakers' pockets and that's it? Or is it improving? Yeah, things? It's, it's, actually, it's actually owned by uh, Phil Anschutz of Anschutz Entertainment. So it's AEG that owns the Staples Center. He is a part owner of the Lakers. Um, but you know what? I think it's always up to the individual company to make the value work, right? Like, so are they going to have like ATMs where you put in your dollars and then you get a receipt that you've turned it into Bitcoin? Uh, are they going to convert points into what the uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin price is? How do they do it? It's not good enough. I remember when when MetLife Stadium got its name, and I was just doing this interview live on CNBC with the MetLife chief marketing officer. I said, "How are you going to make this work?" And he said something like, uh, "You know, just give us a chance." And I'm like. You don't have a plan. <laughs> you don't go to like your CEO and say, the reason we're spending 20 million is this is how we do it. I guess at that point he did not know. Then you're definitely wasting money. But uh, I think it's I think it's hard. Of course, everyone who invests in Bitcoin is applauding this. And everyone who, who just loves crypto is applauding this as just to go to show you that this is another way that we're big. I thought Shaq should have gotten involved and call it, you know, the Shaq. And, and, you know, people would have had fun with that. He's got enough money. I get Shake Shaq with Shaq and, you know, there you go. That, that could work. Although Shaq is now uh, his big chicken franchise is probably oh. going against Shake Shaq. Okay. All right. But you know, he, that's why you bring me on, Dan. I know all the deals. Like okay. if there's a conflict, I know all the deals. Okay. Will we have a day in our lifetime where Yankee Stadium is brought to you by Dodger Stadium is brought to you by That's a tough one. I mean uh, uh we we've gotten to Geha Field at Mile High. I mean you know, <laughs> you know or 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 uh, at Arrowhead. I mean it's so it, it you know I think it would be something at Yankee Stadium um but I think the Yankees would have to fall on hard times for that to happen. Yeah, but money trumps everything. It does. I mean, it if does. Staples is worth seven hundred million, what would Yankee Stadium or Dodger Stadium be worth? Hmm. Nine hundred <laughs> million dollars. Uh, all right. So, crypto dot com, the crypt. What yep. could go wrong here? Uh, it could be like uh, Sponge Tech, which was sponsored was inside every. Uh, a major league baseball and NBA arena. And then all of a sudden it was like a scam, but I'm not saying crypto is a scam. I would say that uh, maybe the business of crypto isn't as frothy as it is right now. And uh, you know, that that's probably what could go wrong. All right. If I say Lone Depot park, whose stadium is that? Is that the uh, Lone Depot park? I actually don't know. Who is it? Marlins. Did not know that. Go ahead. Keep going. Globe Life Field. Texas. Yes. The Brewers. American Family. The, the Cincinnati Reds. Brewers. Oh. 
Wow, this is this is the um, um, if Darren is this if Darren Ravel does it you know, <laughs> exactly really exactly holy crap uh, f- holy crap first energy stadium uh, that is uh, the uh, uh, Cleveland Browns Cleveland Browns Lumen Field don't have no idea never even heard of it Seahawks okay State Farm Stadium. Uh, that is the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. Uh, TIAA Bank Field. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. All right. Okay, I did. I did okay. But listen, if I'm not a hundred percent there, yeah. You know, you you you. I think the folks at Lumen are withdrawing their money right now. Tide Pods Field. That's fake. Thank you. <laughs> uh, is this the anniversary of the Michael Jordan shoe? This is so. This is the day in 1984 where Jordan walked on the court with the Air Jordans. He is pre. He previously wore Air Ships, which was uh, the shoe that was banned by the NBA, but not really. Nike used that. It was a black shoe with, with uh, you know, the red swoosh that um, that was that Nike then said was banned by the NBA, and that caused all the marketing. But yes, against Dr. J on this day in '84. Uh, he did wear the shoe. And by the way, there is no evidence in any article that anyone noticed it. Um, scored really? 16 points in a loss. Uh, but I collect tickets, and I think you guys have it. Uh, I have a ticket from that game. Yeah, um, I think we're showing it now if you're watching uh, on Peacock. Which is, which is, which is interesting because as people are collecting tickets, there's 23 graded tickets of Michael Jordan's debut on October 29th, 84, there's only three of when he showed up in the Air Jordans for the first time. So I kind of like, I kind of like it. Tickets, tickets, co- collecting tickets has, has certainly picked up in the last six months to a year. What would those uh, original Air Jordans go for? <sighs> well, the earliest known Air Jordans just went where he wore them in a game. I think it was against maybe San Antonio, his fourth game. Uh, that just sold for like 1.1 million bucks. So the first ever Air Jordans, I think that's probably three or four or five million bucks. What other tickets are valuable now? People love the debuts. You know, Mickey Mantle debut sold for more than 100000 The Wayne Gretzky debut sold for 100000 I think, you know, the scarcity on things are uh, of these are so... Uh, there's the numbers are so tight, right? Because like, what did you do with a ticket? Like before you'd put it on the bulletin board, you'd put it on a, in a scrapbook, but like, how did you keep these things over time? Um, so we got this week, we got Theismann's leg tomorrow. I have that ticket. Um, and then, uh, I think on Saturday we have, I didn't give this to your boys. So hopefully you can see this one, Dan, what is this? 1982 Cal. Uh, what is it? Oh, it's it's a Cal Stanford. Oh, the the band is on the field. The band is on the field, and there's only there's only four of these, and I have one of them. I mean, this is a, by the way, the, some of the good parts about tickets that you don't get on sports cards. McDonald's, back the Bears, <laughs> like some of the old and obviously the more defunct, you know, if you get a Knicks ticket that has Crazy Eddie on it, uh, you know, or the defuncts, you know, some of these uh, old ads are kind of classic. What's the uh, white whale that you're looking for? Uh, I don't, I really don't want to say it, but <laughs> uh, no, but. Um, is it a what ticket is the- or? 
Uh, so, so I did manage to get the Randy Johnson pulverizes the bird game. Very rare, very rare because it was a spring training game. And there were only 3000 people there. I did manage to get that. Um, I'm looking for, I mean, I'm looking for so many, I did get recently, I got the Flutie Hail Mary pass, uh, very, very difficult. Um, but there's, I mean, that's what's, it's a search, right? Like with cards, you go on eBay, you type it in, you go, oh, it's there, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like, what is the one? Oh, I did get the Lee Elia uh, uh, tirade from 83 that, you know, the Cubs when he, when he, when he's, when he, when he says to the fans, like half the world is working, the rest <laughs> of you bums are on Wrigley Field. Like, can you imagine today that type of, oh, I, I did get the Dennis Green rant. They are who we thought they were. And we gave it right away. <laughs> uh, and I do. Ha- and I do. I'm the only one. It's the only one that graded. I do have the uh, Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm uh, I'm 40. Come at me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Um, so, the uh, I, OK, I am looking. I got it. I got it. I got it. I am looking as part of my rant collection. I am looking for the Jim Mora playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> I'm looking for I'm looking for that. Um, you you need help. Uh, you my need, wife. You no. need help. You need help. Um, uh, I think that's all I got for you. All right. It's great to talk to you. I I love seeing you. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's Ben, host of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is the Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. According to ESPN, Joe Flacco will get the start for the Jets versus Miami. Zach Wilson is not 100%. Flacco's experience likely a big factor in the decision facing a blitz-heavy defense. Yes, Paul? The Mike White era is over? We said that the worst thing that could happen to Mike White is he played another game after throwing for 400 yards. Right? Then all of a sudden it's like, uh, Mike White is who we thought he was. Now Joe Flacco gets the start. Rodney Harrison loved playing against quarterbacks like that. The uh, Football Night in America analyst, two-time Super Bowl champ, and hopefully on the doorstep of being a Hall of Famer one day. Steelers taking on the Chargers Sunday night football. Rodney joins us on the program. Rod, how are you this morning? Good morning, Dan. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm curious how Bill Belichick would defend Mac Jones. Well, he's a rookie quarterback, and just like most rookie quarterbacks, and you've seen the Baltimore Ravens, you've seen Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings, you've seen the Patriots do the same thing against Justin Herbert. So they don't care. These defense coordinators don't care how good you are, how good of a young player you are. They're going to show you different looks. They're going to try to confuse you. They're going to pressure you. And that's what you're seeing from a lot of these defensive coordinators going against young quarterbacks. Zach Wilson is one of them. And, you know, even Joe Burrow, you see these defensive coordinators trying to create confusion 
and um, get these guys to throw interceptions, and that's what they've been doing. Are you all in on Mac Jones? The love for absolutely, Mac jo- yeah, absolutely. I've been, I like, I thought that was the still of the draft. I mean, you know, when Kyle Shanahan had an opportunity, I think at the three spot or whatever, yeah. to grab him, I was hoping that he didn't get him because I'm like, this dude fits perfectly. I mean, for him to be able to go in from Nick Saban's system to Bill Belichick's system and basically just change jerseys and, you know, two very similar guys that do things a certain way, I thought it was a blessing. But do you see, and I know this is a dangerous comparison, but let me compare it to Brady first starting with New England, Mac Jones first starting. Is Mac ahead of schedule from where Tom Brady was? I think I think I don't know about all that. All I know is this. This is a young, good player. He's a guy that works hard. He puts his team first. He cares about winning. He cares about preparation. He cares about doing all the little things. And I think you see the the Patriots are starting to come together as a team. All the fundamentals, all the little things that Coach Belichick teaches. These guys are starting to trust and believe in. And you you starting to see it. They're starting to win football games, Dan. Okay. But this this let me just say this. This is a, a very good young quarterback. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's very tough on himself, and he stays in the moment. That's what they tell me. He's so focused, and he stays in the moment that you know he's just he's just a really good, smart football player, and they love him. Why do you think the Niners decided that they were going to take Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones? Probably public pressure. I mean, everybody wants to get into this. I need an athletic quarterback. I need an athletic quarterback. Yeah, he could run around, you know, and do all these incredible plays at times, but you need somebody that can sit in the pocket, read the defenses, communicate to the offense, get everybody in the right position. And sometimes that's not sexy enough. A lot of these, you know, coaches, they fall pressure, you know, fall to the pressure of the public, man. And when you get a guy like Mac Jones, who's smart, who puts the team first, who does things right, I don't see how you can bypass a guy like that. And ultimately, when you make a, a decision like that, it can ultimately cost you your job. Look look what's going on in, in Chicago with Matt Nagy. I mean, how many times does he get to screw up a quarterback situation <laughs> and keep a job? Well, he might have gotten this one right with Justin Fields. Well, it's not like they're getting it right because they still haven't done a good job of putting – that's uh, true. Offensive line in front of the guy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's crazy. Well, that's why I always go back to Andrew Luckrod. And it, it's nice to have a $100 million quarterback, but if you got, you know, a 25 cent offensive line, then it's a poor investment. And I think Andrew Luck fell out of love with football. He was getting beat up and he was still a very good quarterback, but he wasn't being protected. They finally got around to protecting him. And then he's like, I'm going to check out. I don't want to play anymore. And, and, and then they, and then think of this, too. I mean, just because you're a great football player doesn't mean that you want to play 20 years in the NFL. You know, guys have goals. Hey, I want to play 10 years in the league. I want to make my money, save my money, and move on and do something else. It's nothing wrong with that. And just because Andrew Luck was a household name, he's a big-time quarterback, he was the first pick overall, doesn't mean that he wants to stay in the league forever. You know, especially getting your brains beat out with a garbage offensive line. Is Ben Roethlisberger still a good quarterback? No. He's smart. You know, he can make he can make some throws, but you can't depend on him. You don't know what he's going to give you every single week. I love Big Ben, and Ben should be in the Hall of Fame. I played against Ben. He's an ultimate competitor. But at this time and stage in his career, he's a guy that's leading those young guys. He's more of a mentor to him. But when I watch him play, he's, he's not very good. Is Brady better at anything now than he was five years ago? 
I think he's just really good at everything because, like, you know, when you talk to him, the rules have changed, which really helped the offensive players. He, you know, he has said, hey, man, defensive players can't do anything. The game's gotten easier. So the game has gotten easier because you can't put your hands on the guys. Anytime you throw it down the field, you bump a receiver, the flags are coming out. So he just always tells me, hey, man, I feel so bad for you guys because um, you guys can't play defense anymore. How would you defend Odell Beckham? How would I defend him? Yeah. I really don't have to defend him if, the, if, if this team's not throwing him the ball. He's a talented young man. And I talked to him when he was in Atlanta in the preseason, Dan. The kid just wants to play football. He's not into all this other crazy stuff that he was into before. He just wants to go out there and play football. And it's going to take some time to implement in the offense. But to me, like, how hard is it to throw Eldale back on the screen? How hard is it to throw him a slant route? How hard is it to tell him to run a deep dig at 12 yards and come inside? Like, to me, all you have to do is give him an opportunity. And these offensive coordinators are making it so difficult with a guy with that level of talent. Just throw him the damn ball. That's all you have to do and give him a chance. But you look at the Rams, they're going all in. They're trading people. And they don't understand. Like, it comes down to chemistry. If you, if you have chemistry on your team, you're going to have a chance of winning. And also, you look at Matthew Stafford. What the heck is he doing? Is this the Matthew Stafford that we saw in Detroit? Like, what's going on with him? He can't just drop back and throw the ball up for grabs. Like, who does that? Well, normally we didn't focus on Matthew Stafford playing an entire game because we didn't watch the Lions. Now he's on display, and now people are, you know, tuning in and watching these throws. And now you're playing on a bigger stage. The stakes are extremely high. Super Bowl or bust. And I think that's what I want to watch the second half of the season. And if they make it to the postseason, there's certain guys when they get to the postseason, they become a different player, whether that's good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of pressures on Sean McVay because he traded, got rid of Jared Goff. And remember, these are the same dudes that gave Jared Goff over a hundred million bucks. And then you get, then you give up the house and you're getting rid of players. You don't have a first round pick for the next three, four years. They better win. And the way Von Miller looked at times the other week, last week, he didn't look like, you know, the Von Miller that I'm used to seeing. So if I'm the Rams, I got a lot of question marks, and it starts with Sean McVay. Rodney Harrison, NBC Football Night in America, and, of course, won two Super Bowls with uh, the Patriots. Um, The defense being employed against Kansas City, what exactly is different this year than previous years of how teams are playing Patrick Mahomes? Well, before, I guess, teams, when they first didn't really know Patrick Mahomes, they came out and tried to blitz him and play man-to-man and all these different things. But most teams are just keeping two safeties deep and saying, Patrick, you know what? We know you want to throw the ball down the field. We're going to take away these um, these big plays down the field, and we're going to force you to go up and down the field, 8 to 10, 12 play drives, and see if you can stay patient enough to do that. And before, he said that was something that he struggled with. But like when I picked them, Kansas City against the Raiders, I just knew that Andy Reid would make the necessary adjustments. These, this is an offense that's been to the last two Super Bowls. Kansas City is going to be right there. I don't care how they're looking. Talk to Chris Jones. That defense is going to improve. But that offense is going to be right there at the end of the season, Dan. Where do you stand with the taunting rule with the NFL? I don't like it. I get it. I get it. You know, the rule is the rule, and players have to respect the rule. But at the same time, I've always said these are the best 2,000 players in the world. Like, come on, man. Like, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. 
you know, let them celebrate, let them have fun. You know, that's what the game is about. Other players know because they've been on the receiving end as well. Like we like to celebrate as players. And when somebody else is celebrating, you got to let them celebrate, give them their props and keep it moving. But I just think the NFL needs to loosen up, man. This is, you know, this is the NFL. This is, We should be having fun, man. Shouldn't have to worry about no taunting. You didn't taunt. I didn't have to because, I mean, like, I hit you and hit you and <laughs> get back up and say, hey, I'm coming back to you. <laughs> hey, Dan, let me just say this, too. Um, let me just say this. Like, like, if somebody needs a shot lesson, they need to come to you. I mean, your jump shot is money. I remember us at Sam Flood's house, yeah. our old producer. We went out there for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and and Rodney was talking a lot, a lot of junk. And I said, Rod, like I'll, I'll go out, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to crush you. Like I got, I was like, <laughs> I was, I was mad at him and we went outside, turned on the spotlight. And I, I just, I think I took a shot and it's in the air and I just kept walking to the house. I was so mad that you made me go outside. <laughs> I loved it. I'm the Tom Brady of backyard basketball. Man, let me tell you, I, I, we had some great times, man. I, 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 hey, I miss being in the studio with you too. Oh, I had so much fun with you and, and Tony. I mean, that, that's what made that so much fun is, and you talk about this with chemistry as a player and, and Tony as a coach, when you have trust in each other, it was just a lot of fun. And, and you guys came in and had the right approach. You said, treat us like rookies. We have to learn TV. And a lot of times people come in and they go, oh, I just put on a microphone and a suit and tie and talk. And uh, I just didn't want to sugarcoat it. I wanted to make sure you guys learned how to do it. And then you'd be teaching other guys who came in. So, you know, you guys listen. No, no doubt, bro. And we, we definitely appreciate it. And we would not have lasted. I mean, this is year 13 on that show. And, it, you know, wow. my role is a little different. I'm at the stadium, but... You know, to be able to do that show with you as long as I've done it and learn as much and absorb all of the knowledge and, and wisdom that you've given me, I definitely appreciate it. I know Coach feels the same way, Dan. What is it like, though, to be on the field and want to hit somebody? Like, do you get it? Is, it's awesome. Just like um, your boy I knocked out, remember it? Um, your, oh, McLovin. McLovin. Yeah, McLovin. <laughs> I destroyed him. Cheap shot. That was a cheap shot. Oh, my God. That was one of the great setups where we're like, McLovin's going to act like a quarterback, and then Rodney's going to act like he's going to hit you, and Rodney popped McLovin. That's a 15-yard flag if I've ever that seen one in my not, life. No, that was not. That was clean. And, and you know what? And It, it was probably <laughs> worth a $20,000 fine, and I was fine with it. <laughs> How much were you fined in your career? A little over 300000 after tax. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one that was absolutely worth it? Oh, Jerry Rice. And you know what? It was amazing that they would find me a game check. And back then, I think the game check was a hundred and maybe twenty thousand dollars. So it was some really good money, especially from a kid coming from Markham, Illinois. That's a lot of money to give up. But Jerry Rice did that slant, and I got a chance to hit him. And I tell you, Dan, I would have spent a half a million bucks on that just to get a chance to knock his freaking head off. As much as I love Jerry Rice. <laughs> It was awesome. But but why do you want to light up Jerry Rice? Because he's the enemy. He's the receiver. All offensive players are the enemy. You know that. And, and I love Jerry <laughs> Rice. I mean, I got a chance as a young player to see him practice and practice against the San Francisco 49ers and his work ethic and discipline. But when it came down to that game, I was not afraid to, um, of Jerry Rice, and I wanted him to know my name. 
Did you need to get fined? Should you have been fined for the hit? No, I don't think so. I mean, if anything, <laughs> it, it should have been like a – but you know what, Dan? I had a reputation, and, you know, people at the front office really, you know, they had it – kind of had it out for me, and it was all good. Like I said, you can't miss something that you never had. But do you write a check to the NFL back then, or they take it just out of your – your is it like direct withdrawal? Well, they just – you just don't collect the check. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you look at your bank account and you see all those zeros and then you see no zeros. Were you, were you married at the time? Um, 98. No, I wasn't. I wasn't married, but, you know, I had mom that I was taking care of and stuff like that. And I told her, I was like, mom, listen, I said, I got, I, hey, I got some money. I got a little money. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I would have a lot more money if I didn't keep hitting guys. Hey, but you know what, Dan? You know you can't you can't slow a guy like me down. You know, obviously I have to play smarter at times, but you always want a young guy that's hungry, that's physical to to kind of do their thing. But you couldn't play like that now. Yeah, and I probably would have lasted twenty years too. I mean, think about it. The guys are getting paid a heck of a lot more money. You can't hit. Just watch when they play. They don't even tackle anymore. They tackle the football. They just tackle the football. And everybody tries to go for the football, and then the convoy just goes 5, 10, 15 yards right into the end zone. It's crazy. It's different the way they play football now. Yeah, and the role of the safety. Like, it feels like the role that – although Jamal Adams does play with the physicality there, but, you know, the days of Ronnie Lott, those are long gone, aren't they? Yeah, definitely, because, like, I see referees or officials calling flags, and it's not even a legal hit, but it's because of the severity of the hit, how hard someone hit. Now, you can hit the guy the same way, but if you kind of just hit him and lay him down, it won't be a flag. But if you just absolutely run through them, they're throwing flags from everywhere. And it's like it has to be an egregious hit. It can't be just because it's a very physical hit you're throwing flags. Who was that running back when he came through? It was like, this is going to hurt. Brandon Jacobs, Jamal Lewis from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I was a young, young player with Barry Sanders. He juked me one time at the goal line, stuck his head down, ran me over on Monday Night Football, and ran me over. And that was my introduction to the league. And after that, Dan, I said, I'm going to do more squats. I'm going to get my legs stronger because he embarrassed me as a young player. Barry embarrassed a lot of people. Yes, he did. But it, it was fantastic, man. Hey, Tell everybody I said hello. Always great to talk to you. Hope family's great, buddy. You too, buddy. Good to see you. Thank, Thank you, you, Fritz. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Nick Wright joins us on loan from First Things First, the popular co-host on Fox Sports 1. Nick, um, what do you think of Steph Curry this season? Oh, these <laughs> Steph Curry uh, in, in, in all seriousness, it's been sensational. I mean, he's been sensational. I've got a – let me ask you a question, Dan. Yep. Going into this year, if someone were to ask you, all-time great, all-time pyramid, who's ahead, Steph or KD? Who do you have higher? I would take Steph. Oh, so you would have already had Steph higher because I think most people, even though Steph has one more ring and one more league MVP, 
I think particularly after the playoffs last year, would have said KD's a tick above. If the Warriors win the title this year, though, you have to, like, it, the Steph-KD debate, at least for the time being, stops being a debate. Steph would have double the MVPs and double the rings, yep. all of that. And you start to reevaluate, like, where is Steph historically? I mean, I think he's right now knocking on the door of the top 15 all time. But if they win the title this year, he probably also would win the league MVP this year if they win 60-plus games. He he starts kicking that door in and moving past guys like Akeem, past guys like Dr. J, like obviously past Durant. I I think it's a really special thing because I thought the Warriors were done winning titles. And I, now the, the door's back open for them. I asked Dwayne Wade about that yesterday, and he said he would take Steph because he changed the game. And, I mean, think about the most influential people who've ever played this game. And Steph's on the short list of most influential players in the history. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt about that. As far as influence, he is, I want to say, top five all time. But that does, you know, he's far more influential than Tim Duncan. But Tim Duncan had the better career. But if they win the title this year, Steph starts really approaching the hollowed, hollowed ground. He's but who gets into already... the top 10, though, Nick? If I said at the end of their careers, KD or Steph, more likely to go into the top 10. So I would have, honestly, and I don't want to be too reactionary, a, a month ago I would have said KD because I thought Steph, Steph was had an MVP-level season last year, Dan, mm -hmm. and the Warriors missed the playoffs. So I'm like, okay, so Steph's not going to play in a finals again. But if they if they make the finals this year, if they win the title, then you then to me it'd be Steph. If if this is more about schedule and maybe when Clay comes back, he's not the guy we think he's going to be, and the Warriors are a second round exit. KD because you know he, he's bigger. I think he. I don't. I don't know if you can say he scores more effortlessly, but it does feel like he can do a little more. But again, like those are. I mean, you're a basketball historian like me. So the, to me, take there's four guys that are almost like, you know, the older, older generation, Russell, Wilt, Oscar, and West. They've got to be included, but they almost have to be included separately, you know, like a veterans committee. And then people can argue about the order, but I don't think many people would argue about this next nine. LeBron, Kareem, Michael, Magic, Duncan, Kobe, Bird, Akeem, Shaq. So now we're at nine plus the four. There's 13. I would have had Dr. J and Moses rounding out my top 15 with Steph and KD ready to knock one of them out. But how high can either one of them climb? Can they pass Bird? Can they, you know, I think they both can pass Dr. J and Moses. But so there's, you know, at some point there, is there a ceiling? I don't know. Like it's, it's a hard, this is what people do when the top 75 list comes out. They're like, this guy's a top 20 guy all time. It's like, no, he's not. Like, there's you got to list the names. And so it just – but I'm starting to reconsider how high Steph can climb. I liked Golden State last year to go to the NBA Finals, and I certainly like them this year. Um, they have youth. They're going to get Clay back. And it just feels like the West is a little bit vulnerable because I don't know what yep. to expect out of the Lakers. You know, can the can Phoenix do it again? And what did they learn last year? 
Denver, can you count on them to be consistent enough to play at a high level? Utah, are they going to be in there as well? No. Utah's, Utah's out. Utah never gets to be talked to as a playoff team again. They're out. And as I understand that all the – and I'm an analytics guy. All the analytics folks have explained to me that Nikola Jokic is – maybe the greatest player in the history of the league was really fascinating <laughs> because none of them believe the Nuggets are going to make the finals. The NBA is pretty simple. If you have the best player in the league, you're probably going to win the championship. Nobody thinks Nuggets can win the championship. So miss me with this. Jokic is better than Giannis mess. I don't care what the numbers say. I, I watch the games. The But yes, the, the West is open. And here you said they have youth. Here's the other thing the Warriors have going for them. So they're getting Clay back. That'll be an infusion. No matter what form he's in, he'll help. Yeah. They also, though, they're getting nothing right. Wiseman's not playing yet, and Kaminga and Moody are so young, like 18 and 19 when you draft them. If they want to package Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, you get an all-star. Yeah. Like Beal's not going to be available now because the Warriors, or I'm sorry, the Wizards are too good. But whatever disgruntled all-star X that you want. But wouldn't I go after Buddy Heald? I mean, I can't get Beal. What about Buddy Heald? Well, if the question there is, my I know everyone killed the Lakers for not getting Buddy Heald. And I, and I like Buddy a lot, but he's also damn near 30. We don't think of that. He was old when he came out of college. He's not yeah. damn near 30, but he's late 20s. And it, it's always tough for me, like a guy. People, so Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons can't play in the playoffs, but he's been in the playoffs. Like maybe, maybe Buddy can't either. Like Buddy's the sixth man on the Kings. Like I, I like Buddy a lot, but I, I, I like Ben Simmons to the Warriors. You don't need more shooting. Once you get Draymond, oh, I thought, or I'm sorry, once it, you get Clay back. But don't I have to give up Draymond to make Ben work with Golden State? I don't know. That's what everybody says. But when the Warriors won 73 games, Festus Azili and Maurice Spates were on the court with Draymond. <laughs> like, I remember it because LeBron was dotting threes over poor Festus's eye in game seven. Festus. Like the Yeah, Festus. <laughs> I mean, Bogut. And Bogut obviously was a good player, but Bogut and Draymond played together. So, like, the idea that you couldn't have Draymond on the court with another non-shooter. Now, Draymond back then was a better shooter than he is now, so that's that's part of it. But uh, whoever the person is, my point is if the Warriors want, they can go get another piece because yeah. they're not getting anything from those young guys, and they're still awesome. We're talking to Nick Wright. Uh, first things first, co-host on Fox Sports 1. Uh, how patient are you going to be with the Lakers? Well, here's the deal. So there's there's the Russ angle, and then there's the LeBron part. The Russ angle is first three months in Houston, he was terrible, and then he was excellent end of the season. Same exact thing happened with Washington. So I will be patient with that. And Russ, here's a fun thing to look at. The best center Russ has ever played with, best big Russ has ever played with, young Steven Adams. He's never played with a quality offensive center or offensive big, so it's going to take time for him and Anthony Davis. But the fact of the matter for the Lakers is this. If LeBron's not still able to be a top three at a minimum, top three player in the league when the playoffs roll around for the entirety of the playoffs, Lakers are screwed. I think he still can be. I think he's got one more of those runs in him. If if he is, then again, who are we taking in the West over a fully functional hand on the joystick LeBron plus AD and I, I believe LeBron is a problem solver. will make it work with Russ. But the first thing they got to do is just get rid of their centers. You can't play Russ and a center. You might actually play Russ at center. 
that's kind of what the Rockets did, and it worked. Like, AD, you don't want to play center, fine. You can be the power forward. Russ will be the center. And then you can spread the floor and have more shooting there. I never understood AD not wanting to play center because it feels like you have a better chance of making the all-NBA team as a center because mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert makes it every single year. Yeah. That, you know, these bonuses come with being first, second, third yeah. team. I'd want to be a center. Just list me as a center. Who cares? Yeah, I listen, AD's awesome. He, you know, he's what's the word? Delicate. Delicate, I think, is the white nice way to put it. I just think he wait, doesn't wait, like Wait, is that a the... polite soft? I didn't say soft, Dan. I wouldn't say that about a fellow clutch client. That'd be rude. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, I just think he's not as big of a fan as the contact. And, the you know, and, and he is a guy who when he gets dinged, it does appear he's been shot. But luckily, he recovers from that quickly. Brittle. And so, yeah. Brittle. It, it, Did you call him brittle? Yeah. I I like delicate. I'm going <laughs> to stick with the word I use. Hey, can I – I got another question for okay. you. Okay. Right. Were you shocked that there were MVP chants for someone not on the nets at Barclays last night? Like, that doesn't happen. Well, that's not really a home advantage. That's not a home fan base. You're I mean, right it's a that. recent fan base. I mean, it's – you know, that's why if they won the title, they'd get a nice little parade. If the Knicks win a first round series, you know, guys Bing are bong. Yeah. people are out of their minds. Yeah. Guys people are, are topless minds. in the streets there. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I no, just, that's absolutely right. Nobody cares. Um, a couple other things. I, I know that uh, the Chiefs are, are back. According yeah, to people, back. I didn't know they left, but they're back. And I know you're a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. So yeah. would you give your logic of are the Chiefs on the short list of teams to beat still in the NFL? Oh, a hundred percent. Listen, top they, five. They, 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 I, let me put it like this. I think they're the team to beat in the AFC. The five best teams might all be in the NFC. Yeah. But they got to beat each other. Like right now, if you were able to draft your playoff opponents, it, like if that the one seed got to pick its opponents, who's, wouldn't the Chiefs be everyone's last pick? They, like, aren't aren't they yeah. still the team in the AFC nobody wants to face? If Derrick everyone, Henry was playing, Tennessee would be that team that I would not want to play. Uh, sure, but he's not. Yeah, like that's the, the he's not. Yeah, and the the Bills have been uh, that Jags loss looms large to me for the Bills, and the the Bills to me are the other dangerous team when everything's rolling. But the AFC screwed up, man. For the first five weeks, the Chiefs had a historically bad defense. For the next three weeks, Mahomes had the first slump of his career. And now all of a sudden we sit here and it's like, oh, they have the second most wins in the conference. Like if you were ever going to create separation, it would have been this year and the AFC didn't take advantage. Yeah, you're right about you don't want to face them when it gets into the postseason. Uh, You know, Buffalo, I still not quite sure. Like the AFC right now, just not sure. With anybody. Right. Me neither. I mean, exactly Tennessee's right. done everything you want a, a great team to do. We just don't recognize them as being great. Yeah, it's t- yeah because here's the thing. And I know football's complicated, and it's all three phases and all this. And then at the end of the day, <laughs> before you bet your hard-earned money on a team to win a Super Bowl, you're like, wait, 
Ryan Tannehill's their quarterback? Nah, I'm going to have to pass. <laughs> They're like, no, he's the highest-rated passer on third downs unless he's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, but... gonna, I'm not going to do that. Hey, uh, you're all in on uh, crypto.com instead of Staples? You're going to refer to I don't care, man. I Listen, I, I had an opportunity to be Dan Patrick Rich if I would have listened to all my poker player friends five years ago and bought Bitcoin and Ethereum, and instead I didn't. And so now I'm just hoping it all tanks because all <laughs> my friends I gamble with are just stupid rich. And I'm still coming on these <laughs> I'm doing this. So you send me free sweatshirts. So, I mean, yeah, so I, I'm anti. I, it's just total bitterness and anger. Well, that well all these well, well, what's, have gotten rich. what's Arrowhead called now? G-E-H-A field. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell that is. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's that's great. I don't know anybody who calls it that. It feels like people are still going to call Staples Staples. Yeah, I I heard what you guys were saying about the Winston Cup before. Yeah. So I grew up, my whole childhood was the Winston Cup, and I had no idea it was about the cigarettes. I thought it was named after some famous NASCAR dude named Winston. Like when they changed (laughs) it, I was so confused. I swear to God, I thought that. I didn't even know. And you thought that like there was this. a guy named Nextel? Like that? Uh, well, no, that's what I figured it out, buddy. <laughs> that's what I figured it out. I was like, oh, it's branding. Yeah. By the way, speaking of branding, is your guy's show branding these days trying to just make anyone under 30 not understand what you're talking about? Because I think right before I came on, you were like, hey, fun fact about Wilford Brimley and Cocoon. Yep. And I'm 37, and I've never seen Cocoon. Like, what's the median age of people that are like, oh, yeah, I can picture Wilford Brimley and Cocoon in my head? 46? But it might make you go, hmm, wonder what Wilford Brimley looked like at age 50. Dan brought it up, and he is a Hall of Famer. I should listen to what Dan has to say. Then they Google, and they go, oh, my God. Boy, that's a brilliant uh, announces yeah, there. Yeah. Or maybe they maybe they pull out their phone, phones and say, I can't find Wilford Brimley on TikTok. I don't know what the hell Dan's talking about. Yeah. Maybe maybe, that's maybe they just know. go, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for Colin to come on or Jim Rome to come on and then I'll listen to those programs. Oh let's see. Oh wow. Wow. We're going. I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> I mean I, I mean I would have thought it, but I wouldn't have said that. It'd be rude on your show. That's okay. That's okay. Let me be rude to me before you're rude to me. Yeah, it's a good idea. Still hey, waiting for that fishing invite, by hey, the way. Yeah, let's go. To, let's go to a game. Let's go to a Brooklyn Nets game. Plenty of seats yeah, still I, available. Plenty. It's seven dollars. I know. <laughs> you can get in for seven dollars. I can get in and play for twelve. That's what's great. I'm let's Joe Harris, man. They could have used you last night. Tell you that much, buddy. Yeah, I know. Uh, hey, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Of we course. appreciate it. Absolutely. I'll see you soon. 